Uh, well, friends, uh, this week I uh, went to the Bay Run uh, with my wife. Has anyone been to the Bay Run before? Uh, there's a few of us. Uh, if you don't know what the Bay Run is, uh, it is a seven-kilometer track uh, along the Parramatta River uh, over there uh, in Dremoyne. Uh, it's a very picturesque track and uh, a lovely way to, to spend your day off. Uh, some people walk the track uh, while others try to uh, run the whole distance. And uh, on Tuesday, uh, I saw a number of runners trying to run uh, the whole length of uh, the, the track, but uh, running out of steam. Uh, they were breathing heavily. There was just no bounce in their step. Uh, I'm speaking, of course, uh, about myself. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you run and uh, the end seems nowhere in sight and uh, you just run out of steam. You, you lose heart. Um, you become discouraged. It's not that physically you can't go on, but uh, it's just that your spirit becomes broken and uh, you just kind of come to a grinding halt. Uh, I know that some of some of us are going to the Bay Run uh, this Saturday, and so I hope uh, that's not you uh, this Saturday. But uh, I wonder, friends, whether that's how some of us feel with Christian ministry. Uh, is that how some of, some of you are feeling uh, at the moment? I mean, uh, we might do the Christian kind of things, like going to church and going to growth groups and uh, things like that. But when it comes to the ministry of speaking about the Lord Jesus, I wonder whether, if we're honest, some of us are simply running out of steam. Uh, some of us are weary because of the opposition and ridicule we've faced uh, whenever we've, we've spoken to others about Christ. Uh, others of us are discouraged because, you know, we've tried to share our faith with uh, people that we love, and we've seen very little visible fruit. Um, for others, it may be the sinful desire to be comfortable in this world that prevents us from sharing the gospel. Uh, listen to what uh, Moore College lecturer Lionel Windsor says uh, in his excellent short book called Gospel Speech. Uh, he says this, says, you might remember an initial burst of enthusiasm for Jesus at some time in your life. Maybe you remember burning with a passionate desire to tell as many people as you could about the wonderful news of Jesus' death and resurrection. After all, this news had recently rocked your world and given you hope and life and meaning. Why wouldn't you want others to know it? But now, maybe, you're feeling a bit jaded. Of course, you acknowledge that the gospel message about Jesus is quite important, but you've come to realize that you're not really the kind of person who feels comfortable talking about Jesus to other people. Maybe you just feel ill-equipped. Maybe it's not your personality type. Maybe evangelism just feels plain weird to you. Maybe you've had a few bad evangelistic experiences speaking with people about Jesus, awkward moments. Maybe you've lost friends. Maybe you're getting fed up with that vaguely guilty feeling that nags away at you 
whenever, whenever preachers tell you to evangelise. I wonder whether that's us this morning. And we lose heart. We become discouraged. Uh, what does God have to say to those who have lost heart for the gospel? Well, friends, uh, if there was anyone who had reason to lose heart in Christian ministry, uh, I reckon it would be the Apostle Paul, don't you think? Uh, we've already seen in uh, 2 Corinthians the kind of extreme affliction and persecution that he faced in ministry, such that he was utterly be- uh, burdened beyond his strength, so that he despaired of life itself, we're told, in chapter 1, verse 8. But we've also seen opposition coming uh, not from without the walls of the church, but within the church as well. The Corinthian church itself doubted his ministry, no doubt influenced by the false teachers or the super apostles who had come to the city of Corinth. You know, you kind of expect opposition from outsiders, but when you experience opposition from those inside the church, it really hurts. If anyone had reason to give up in Christian ministry, it was the Apostle Paul. And yet, friends, notice that in our passage this morning, Paul says that he does not lose heart. He does not lose heart. It's astonishing, isn't it? Even though he's been through all this, he doesn't become discouraged. He doesn't just throw in the towel. Uh, You can see it there in chapter 4, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, have a look with me at chapter 4, verse 1. It says there, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. When Paul uses the word we there, he's talking about his own apostolic ministry. But what is it that can keep Paul faithfully serving Jesus and speaking about Jesus in the face of incredible affliction and suffering and persecution? What is it that he knows about the gospel that can keep him from losing heart? Well, the first thing uh, I think we can see, friends, in our passage is that Paul doesn't lose heart because he knows that the gospel is the power of God. He knows that the gospel is the power of God. Uh, You can see it in two ways in our passage. Uh, Firstly, uh, notice that Paul's gospel ministry has been given to him by God himself. Uh, You can see it there in verse 1 again. Verse 1, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Uh, What does Paul mean by this ministry? Well, he's talking about the new covenant ministry that we saw last week. Uh, You might remember it's a ministry that calls on people to turn to the Lord Jesus for salvation. It's a ministry that brings life in the Spirit. It's a ministry that brings freedom from the burden of the law transformation of life from the inside. But notice that this ministry has been given to Paul by the mercy of God. 
In other words, this ministry was given to Paul by God himself when he met the risen Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. So he does not lose heart because he knows that this ministry that has been given to him is one that has been given to him by God himself. Secondly, uh, you can see the power of the gospel in that it causes the blind to see the glory of God. It causes the blind to see the glory of God. Uh, You see, Paul says here that unbelievers are those who cannot see God clearly. Uh, It's as though there is a thick veil between them and God that prevents them from seeing the glory of God. Notice in verse 3. And further, notice that this is the work of Satan himself. Uh, In verse 4, Paul says that uh, in their case, in the case of the unbelievers, the God of this world, that is Satan, has blinded the mind of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Uh, Friends, have you ever had the experience of uh, speaking with your non-Christian friends uh, about Jesus and what makes absolutely crystal clear sense to you makes absolutely no sense to them at all? Have you had that experience before? Well, that's because they've been blinded by Satan, says Paul. You see, friends, a person becoming a Christian is not at the end of the day an intellectual problem to be solved by rational argument. It's not a a cultural problem so that if you're born into the right kind of culture, then you will become a Christian. No, friends, it is a deeply spiritual problem that can only be solved when God gives light and sight to those who have been blinded by Satan. Now, that's why Paul says that his job is to preach the gospel. His job is not to preach, you know, man-centered ways to God. No, his job is to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see it there in verse 5. Verse 5, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves uh, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, friends, Paul knows that God has powerfully shone the light of the gospel into his own heart. Uh, He knows that he who was once blind can see God, the glory of God, in the face of the Lord Jesus because God has powerfully worked his gospel into his heart. Uh, Notice that the gospel is the message that Jesus is Lord there. Uh, He is the one who died for sins, but who has been risen to, uh, raised to life as the Lord of all things. You see God's glory when you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Master. And God has given Paul the ministry of speaking this gospel so that others, like the Corinthians, might also see the light of the glory of God in the person of the Lord Jesus. 
We are your servants, he says, for Jesus' sake. Uh, Some of you are old enough to remember uh, old movie cinemas. Um, uh, I'm not uh, old enough to to remember this, but uh, uh, Yvonne's smiling at at me. Um, uh, Old movie cinemas where uh, they used to have those old projectors uh, at the back of the cinema. And uh, what would happen is uh, somebody would sit at the back of the cinema and they would have to operate the, the movie projector manually. Uh, They would put the big uh, film, reel of film, uh, onto the projector. Uh, They'd have to wind it up. And uh, it was their sole job to keep the machine uh, in focus so that people could see a clear picture uh, at the the movie cinema. Uh, My wife and I recently saw the movie Cinema Paradiso. Has anyone seen that movie before? Uh, One person, Ankitha. Um, That's what uh, that that movie is about. But you see, uh, that's Paul's job here, isn't it? God has shone the light of the gospel into his heart and it is his job um, for Paul in a unique sense, but uh, in in one sense for all of us, to uh, shine that gospel clearly so that other people can see it as well. That's why Paul says he refuses to do anything that might make the gospel unclear. You can see it there in verse 2. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. You see, friends, uh, there are a number of ways in which Christian ministries can make the gospel unclear, isn't there? Um, It could be the secret and shameful behavior of ministers of the gospel. You know, think celebrity preachers whose scandalous secrets have been exposed so that their lives make the gospel murky for people. It could be the manipulative methods that some Christian ministries use. You know, think churches that fleece money from people through manipulation and false promises. Or it could be through tampering with the gospel message itself, preaching a different Jesus, just like the super apostles, preaching a Jesus that is more palatable to the world, but actually bears no resemblance to the Jesus that we find in God's word. Now, friends, if you are someone who is convinced that the gospel is the power of God to save, uh, if you are somebody who uh, knows that God has shone the light of the gospel into your heart, uh, are you also someone who is committed to the clear preaching of this gospel. Is that something that concerns you? Is that something that you want to see more and more around the world? Uh, How might you be involved in encouraging the clear preaching of the gospel? Uh, Well, uh, how about engaging with those who teach God's word here at church? Uh, I know that uh, many of you pray for 
the ministers here at this church, and uh, uh, we're very personally thankful to God for that. Uh, it'll be wonderful if you can keep on praying for uh, our godliness and that we wouldn't manipulate people and that we won't water down the gospel. But you can also engage with us about our teaching. Now come and speak to us after, after the service. What are the things that you found helpful as you've heard God's word being explained? Uh, what are the things that you found unclear uh, in some of the things that have been said up the front? Uh, I find it enormously encouraging when people engage with me about my teaching because, well, it, it helps me to be clearer myself uh, in the teaching uh, of the gospel. Or uh, how about supporting the, the work of uh, places like Moore College that we prayed about last week? Uh, you know, they are training people who will be preachers of the gospel in Sydney and Australia and around the world. Uh, some of you may already be supporting the work of college through prayer and through financial uh, means so that the college will be well resourced. But if you are not, then perhaps that's something you might want to consider. Or how about speaking with one another about the gospel? Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we can be a church that uh, so loves the gospel and uh, wants to clarify the gospel for each other that we take every opportunity to speak about the gospel? Uh, maybe we can uh, grab somebody that we don't know too well and invite them out to lunch and, and speak about the sermon or um, read a passage of the Bible together. Uh, it would be wonderful if we can clarify the gospel for one another. Uh, you may think of other ways that we can promote clear preaching of the gospel, uh, but there are just a few ideas to, to get you started. However, friends, uh, even though the gospel is the power of God so that people can see the glory of God, one of the most extraordinary things that 2 Corinthians says again and again, and we saw this in the kids' talk this morning, is that this power is seen in weakness. Uh, this power is seen in weakness. You can see it there in verse 7. Have a look with me at verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. Uh, clay jars were used in the ancient world uh, as a way of storing uh, food and drink. Uh, they were cheap, uh, they were sort of for everyday use, uh, they were expendable. Um, they were, I suppose, a bit like uh, the ancient equivalent of our modern uh, uh, plastic takeaway containers. You know, uh, they're quite brittle and, you know, they can crack and once they do, then you can throw them away. Uh, but the emphasis here... Uh, is not uh, on the value of the clay jars, but on the weakness and fragility uh, of these clay jars. Uh, in other words, Paul is saying that God uses weak and fragile and unimpressive people 
to carry on the ministry of the gospel. And why does he do this? Well, it's so that people will be in no doubt that as the gospel makes progress, uh, the power belongs to God rather than the one who is carrying the message. I mean, think about it, friends. Paul is going around the Mediterranean speaking the gospel of Jesus. People are finding life in the Lord Jesus. Churches are being planted in city after city. But look at Paul's life. I mean, it is full of suffering and persecution and weakness. Who do you think is really at work here as the gospel makes progress? as the gospel brings life to those who are perishing. You see, it is because Christ himself is at work in Paul that the gospel makes progress. But friends, if Christ is in you, then you will bear the marks of Christ in your life. If Christ is in you, then you will bear the marks of Christ in your life. Your life will look like Jesus who died and rose again. I mean, have a look at Paul's life. Uh, It looks very much like Jesus' life, don't you think? It looks like death and resurrection. Uh, Paul is close to death time and time again, and God miraculously delivers him, raises him up again and again. Have a look at uh, verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8. We are afflicted, death in every way, but not crushed, resurrection. Perplexed, death, but not driven to despair, resurrection. Persecuted, death, but not forsaken. Struck down, death, but not destroyed, resurrection always carrying in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Uh, One of the things that attracted attention uh, in the Rio Olympics uh, was or is, the state of the accommodation. Um, Apparently, many of the apartments that were given to the athletes uh, had no hot water, uh, the toilets wouldn't flush, and uh, there were all sorts of problems uh, with the accommodation. Uh, Did you hear about this? Um, But I read the other day that the US basketball team found their own solution to this problem. Does anyone know what they did? They hired a a boat. Uh, I wouldn't call it a boat. It was a a luxury cruise liner uh, that they brought in themselves uh, to sit out in the water. uh, And it had, you know, a cigar lounge, uh, you know, jacuzzis, and uh, even an Italian marble bathroom for everyone. Uh, You see, friends, this is the way powerful people operate in the world, isn't it? They surround themselves with impressive things. They they live in impressive things. 
But where does Jesus live? Well, the extraordinary thing that Paul says is that he lives in weak and fragile and unimpressive people like you and me. That's good news, isn't it? We don't have to be strong to speak about Jesus. We don't have to have a lot of ability to speak about Jesus. We don't have to have life all worked out to speak about Jesus. God uses fragile jars of clay. But friends, we do need to pay a cost, don't we, to speak about Jesus. We need to die to ourselves so that we can bring life to others, which at the end of the day was what Jesus' life was all about. Uh, In September... Uh, we want to encourage everyone in our parish to be involved in our uh, spring mission. Uh, We've got lots of things planned uh, for the month of September. Uh, We have the Strathfield Spring Festival on the 4th of September where uh, we're going to have a a number of stalls out in uh, Strathfield Park where there will be literally thousands of people uh, from the local area who come along. Uh, We have an international day planned here at uh, St Andrews on the 25th of September where we will invite people uh, in our local parish to come and enjoy a free lunch with us. Uh, We have a kids club and family day planned at Enfield towards the end of September. And uh, we need lots of help with setting up and cooking food and uh, organising kids' activities and making balloons for kids and uh, things of that nature. Uh, But most importantly, friends, uh, we need as many people as possible who are willing to uh, have a go at telling people about Jesus or trying to engage in conversation with people about Christ. Now, uh, I don't want us to think that uh, this is the only way that we can speak about Jesus whenever we have you know, big events uh, like this planned. Uh, We want to be speaking about Jesus at every opportunity that that God gives us. But this is a particularly good opportunity because simply because there'll be lots of people around who need to hear about the the new life that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, We're willing to train you if you're somebody who is uh, not very confident at this sort of thing. Uh, We're willing to help you, uh, maybe even uh, put another person next to you so that you can do it together with them. But I want to ask you this this morning, are you willing to pay a cost to get involved in uh, our spring mission? You know, Strathfield Spring Festival falls on a Father's Day. Are you willing to pay the cost of maybe not celebrating Father's Day on that day or doing it at a later time so that you can make yourself available to help with the festival. Uh, International lunch falls on a Saturday. Uh, Are you willing to cancel any plans you may have had for that day and just make yourself available to be around to speak to people about Christ? Uh, You might be saying to yourself, uh, there are always other people to do that kind of thing. Uh, Well, what I want to ask you is, if 
you have Christ living in you, then will you be willing to look like him? To pay a cost so that you can bring the message of eternal life to others? A little bit later on, uh, uh, I'm going to be giving us an opportunity to uh, just have a think about that and maybe uh, volunteer your time uh, to help in, in various ways, uh, but we'll come to that a little bit later. Uh, now, finally, friends, uh, why does Paul not lose heart in gospel ministry? Well, it's because he believes in the glory that is to come. He believes in the glory that is to come. Uh, let's pick it up from verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Uh, now, friends, I wonder whether you picked up on the profound connection here between believing and speaking. Uh, Paul quotes from Psalm 116, which was uh, read out for us uh, earlier. Uh, it's a psalm where the psalmist, presumably David, is very close to death but he is miraculously saved by God. And he says that because he believed that God is the one who powerfully rescued him and saved him, well, he's going to speak about it. He's going to tell others about it, about this great salvation. And just like David, uh, Paul believes that God is the one who powerfully saves. He believes that on the last day, the God who raised Jesus from death will also raise him up together with all the other believers and together they will see Christ face to face in all his glory. And what a wonderful day it will be, friends, on that last day when we will see our Saviour face to face in all his glory as he welcomes us into his eternal kingdom. And so, because Paul believes this, he speaks the gospel. Uh, his life is now about that great salvation day. He wants nothing more than to see people standing on that last day, giving thanks to God for the salvation and the grace and mercy that they have received from him. Now, friends, do you believe that this day is coming? Do you believe that this day of Christ is coming? Do you believe that one day we will be in the presence of Christ, seeing him face to face in all his glory? Do you believe that on that day, the thing that will bring most glory and honour to God are those who have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks and praise and honour to Jesus for what he has done for them. You see, friends, I think that on that day, we will find that
that many of the things that we think are so important now, we will discover were not important at all. We might even be ashamed before Jesus at the way that we have spent our life. But what will count is the way we have served him. What will count are the words that we have spoken, pointing people to the Lord Jesus. Who knows? Perhaps some of those people might also be there in that great multitude, giving thanks and praise and glory and honour to the Lord Jesus through our speaking. Uh, the great English cricketer and uh, Christian missionary C.T. Studd once famously said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Now, friends, I hope and pray that we will be the people who lift our eyes off the fleeting things of this world, the things that will fade one day in its glitter and sparkle and that we will look to the coming day where we will see the glory of the Lord Jesus face to face. Is this the day that shapes your living? Is this the day that shapes your speaking? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray.